or so. Uh, let's have a, a short prayer as we open up our class this morning. <clears throat> Father, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for being you and being on your throne and being the great and powerful God. Thank you for Jesus at your right hand who pleads for us, who lived among us, who understands us as, uh, from the humanity side as well as the spiritual side. Thank you so much for your word, and we pray that we'll study always with an open mind, and we'll just take it for what it says. We won't add to it, and we won't uh, take away from it. Uh, please forgive us of any sins in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> We're in Sardis. Sardis. Uh, remember, we started down uh, in Ephesus. We moved up to Smyrna. And then we went to Pergamum, and then to Thyatira last week, and now we're down to Sardis. Sardis is about 35 miles south, probably southeast, I guess, of, um, of um, Thyatira. So we have two more after this one, uh, Pergamum being at the top of the loop. So we've started our southern, um, southeastern road down we get finally to Laodicea. Um, there were two churches that, that the Lord didn't have anything critical to say, and uh, which one were those two again? Smyrna and Philadelphia. There are two churches that had not much good said about them, and one of those is the church at Sardis. And of course the other, as, we, as we'll see in a couple weeks or so, uh, the church at Laodicea. <clears throat> I, I, we've, been, we've tried to remember a thing or two about the, the, the church, each of the churches that we've visited uh, th through, through the Holy Spirit. Um, this one, well, let me just, I'll just ask the question rather than me. What, how would you entitle, just in a couple of words, or two or three, three or four words, the church at Sardis? The dead church, asleep, sleeping church, um, incomplete for sure. They got started. They didn't complete. They're not completing what they're supposed to be. I call it the living dead church. What do you think? What do you think that means? The living dead church. They thought. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Lance. That, that, no, that's, that, that's, that's exactly right, John. Reminded me of the Pharisees. Dead men's bones. Uh, that's, that's a good analogy. I, had, I didn't have that in my notes, but I like that, John. Um, the living dead church, the, ch the church that was asleep, the church. Now, was the entire church dead with no hope? No, no, there's hope as long as you're breathing. So there's a few, we'll talk about that in a little bit. There's a few of you that haven't, uh, that haven't stained your garments, and you'll walk with me in white. Um, but a little bit about Sardis. Uh, Sardis was destroyed by an earthquake in 17 AD, and the emperor Tiberius re rebated or remitted, uh, postponed, I'm not sure how you would say that, 
their taxes for five years to rebuild. And they rebuilt the entire city with what they would have been paying in taxes to the Roman government. It tells you probably those taxes were pretty high. If you can rebuild a city with a five-year abatement of, of, of taxes to the Roman government. And they did that. They did that. It was a very busy trade center. <clears throat> it was right on the road. When you started down in the southeast, I guess, uh, about 1,500 miles, there was, there was a place called, it's modern-day Iran, uh, Susa or Shushan. It was called the Silk Road. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, the Royal Road. There was a Silk Road. The Royal Road started in Shushan uh, about 600 years earlier. Probably Xerxes Zer I uh, uh, was, the, was the king there. And to give you some, just some little history, oh, by the way kind of thing, have you heard of Susa or Shushan before in the Old Testament? Well, the book of Nehemiah, yes. Uh, Daniel. I don't know about Daniel. I'm thinking of, okay, what else? It's not the one I had in mind, but we'll go with those things. Um, Esther. Esther, and we read about Artaxerxes, Artaxerxes was his son. Um, there, Susa or Shushan, uh, when Queen Esther, uh, the Assyrians, and then of course they were later conquered. No, but, but, anyway, that's where this road started. And went 1,600 miles all the way to Sardis, and that's where it stopped. Um, Susa was known for its silk, its sugar cane, and kind of interesting living in the desert, oranges. So we think, well, those people, they, they didn't, they're very primitive. Well, in, in their own way, they were, but they had a lot of, a lot of stuff, too. And now, I'm sure you'd have to pay for oranges that came from Susa along the 1,600-mile uh, road. But uh, anyway, that's what they were noted for. Uh, Sardis uh, had one of the largest Greek temples in the world. It was almost, not quite, but almost 100 yards long by 100 yards wide. It was a little bit less than both of those, but give you some, some idea. Sardis was, was a town that had, it had sheer walls on three sides. Is that good defensively? For sure, because it was almost impregnable. You, you, you couldn't attack it unless you came in from the front. So uh, that was Sardis. Also interesting, they, they had gold mines there. They had gold mines and actually had a gold refinery within the city limits. You're going to mine gold, you've got to refine it. So the Lord knows all of that, knew all of that. And when he talks about, you know, refining and um, test, being tested with fire and whatever, people knew those kinds of things. Uh, unless you're into precious metals, you don't know too much about refining and that kind of thing. Gary. Well, that would make a little bit of sense, wouldn't it? When you when you hear the gold and all, I, I wound up getting in the river. Okay, the Midas touch. Yeah, that's interesting. I've not heard that one. Of all things, the um, about seven hundred years previous from this, the first coins were minted in Sardis. The very first coins were minted in Sardis. So it was a commercial city, and they 
course, early, later with the Greek city-states, you had your own king over each of the cities, city-state kind of thing. So they had their own government and, and so on. So that's Sardis. Question to comments. I, that may just bore you to tears, but I love that kind of stuff. Anything historical, anything about cities or history, boy, you're right down my alley. And you may, you may be going, I wish he'd move on, uh, Gary, and then we will move on. You mentioned that they, were, uh, they had good defenses on three sides, <clears throat> but over the times that they were defeated, they were known for being lackadaisical about protecting those. So yep. they were known to be incomplete or not following through, and that just happened to show up in this text. That, that's interesting also, isn't it? They, they were a little bit lackadaisical, didn't finish what they started. Maybe it was the, their, their, the way they did things. I've I, I, I not read that, but that, that's interesting also. Um, anything else, and then we'll get into the verses. Okay, Revelation chapter 3, it's only six verses. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. <clears throat> Pardon me, I know your works. That you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works for, uh, perfect or complete, as we mentioned, before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy." We'll talk about these things in a little bit. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. We'll, we'll talk about that as well. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the, the churches. He um, says you have a name, that you're alive. Your reputation, or at least in the community, you appear to be alive. Uh, and as John said, maybe you're like the Pharisees. You look pretty on the outside. You're rotten on the inside. Um, but he says, I see. I walk among the, the, the candlesticks. And he, when he talks about the seven stars, how was that defined all the way back in, in chapter 1? The seven stars are the seven angels of the churches. We talked about all that, messengers, angels. We, we won't get into all that again, but anyway, he says the seven, of course, seven being a complete, complete number. Uh, when he says the uh, seven spirits of God, you might think about that when you were reading that, the seven spirits of God. Anybody have any ideas on that? Or seven, there we go with that again, complete, any, anything? Yeah, I think, I think it is the Holy, talking about the Holy Spirit, and, and he amplifies that a little bit like the Holy Spirit needs any amplification. But the seven would be, would it be that complete, total, full number uh, of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he knows exactly what's going on. He, he has delivered the New, the New Testament to us. Of course, it wasn't quite completed yet. Uh, but I think he's talking about the, the seven spirit, the fullness of the spirit and, and his role in, in Revelation. And then, uh, of course, the, the seven angels and, and so on. 
Um, he says, I know your works. Has he said that before? Have you, have you read that before? How many times? We're in church number five of the seven. Oh, that's right, all five. And a little bit of a tip, he'll say that to all seven. He said, I know your works. I'm walking among you. People out there say you're alive. I say you're dead. Who has the final say? Of course he does. He's the judge. He's going to talk about that in a little bit. Coming as a thief in the night and your name written in the book of life. And that's, that's, that's the book, the book that you want your name written in for sure. So he, knew, he, he knows their true condition. Does he know the true condition of churches today? Of course. Of course. Now, churches are made up of people. The church at Monta Vista, the church at Sardis, the church at Valley, and so on. Uh, so he knows our true condition. He knows the people, each of our conditions within the churches. And um, uh, so there, 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 there's things we need to be thinking about there. Not only as a church, I appreciate what Ryan said this morning um, in his lesson, did a good job. <clears throat> but we, we, have to, we have to look at ourselves, don't we? We have to look in the mirror, the spiritual mirror, and see how we stack up. Um, and there were a few even doing that yet in Sardis. But the Lord didn't give up on the others, did he? What, what did he command them to do, just like he has in all the other churches? Wake up. Okay, don't defile yourself. Repent. Strengthen what's left. All of those things. Uh, you know, there's a time for reflection. I think we get so busy so, so much that we don't have time for meditation and reflection. And I, I think we're expected to do that. Unplug everything, even if it's for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Uh, turn your phone off and uh, get, in a, get in a chair or whatever on your knees, wherever you need to be, and reflect on where you stand, where I stand with God. And the elders try our best to do that uh, with, the, with the church. Where are we? Where do we need to be? Uh, what are our weaknesses? Uh, how can we do things better? I think that's what he expects us to do. As a group, yes, but also as individuals. Also as individuals. Um, I've got highlighted here in some of my notes. There remained a faint glow of life in them. Is that true? Yes. Yes, 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 there was. Um, if someone, I know it's hard to hear on the, on the video, but I'm going to ask someone to, to turn to Ephesians 5 and read out loud to the group, if you would, Ephesians 5, verses 14 through 17. Everyone just listen carefully. Ephesians 5, 14 through 17. If you're taking notes, that would be a good one to have. Go ahead, Gary. It looks like you're there. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Wonderful verses. Uh, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Sometimes you hear people say, heard it not long ago, 
well, you know, it's, it's hard to understand or hard to know what, what, what the Bible says or what it means. And so we just all kind of do our own thing. What does Ephesians 5 verse 17 says? say? But don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The Lord would not have given us something that, was, that we could not understand. That would reflect on him. He gave us things that we can understand. Now, Art, do you know every single detail of the Bible? No. No, and here's a news flash for you. You never will. But we know what we need to know, and God expects us to keep growing. So he says, you know, basically, you need to dump out the rubbish. You need to take the, take the trash out there, Sardis, and replace it and get back to doing what you were doing. Uh, and sometimes I think some of the kids say, a do-over? Um, well, do I get a do-over, Grandpa, on that one? Okay. Grandkids get what they want. You have three do-overs if you want them. Uh, another bowl of ice cream, that'd be fine. Um, <laughs> we've earned the right to do that. So a do-over, a do-over. Um, it's interesting. In fact, I, if you would turn to Isaiah, I, I, I'll read this because I... Uh, this, is, this is so good. Isaiah 1, Isaiah chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, if, you want to, if you're taking notes. Isaiah 1, 16 through 20. Now, this is what Isaiah told uh, Judah. And they were some really, really bad times uh, during this time. Isaiah said this, Wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. You want to know what to do, Isaiah said? Read those verses. And they're applicable in the days of Sardis. And they're applicable today. I also found it kind of interesting and almost an old by the way moment. There are 66 verses or chapters in the book of Isaiah. I know man put the chapters in 1,500 years ago or whatever it's been. But there are 66 chapters. How many books in the Bible? 66. The first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah are rebuke. The last 27 chapters of the book of Isaiah deal with Christ's coming. An encouragement. Coincidental? Maybe. Maybe. God's pretty detailed. I just found that interesting. 39 27, just like the Old Testament, New Testament. Um, and, he, and, and Isaiah gets on their case for the first 39 chapters. You need to change. You need to do better. Lisa? Good point. Well, we're busy. We're real busy. Yeah. But as Ryan said in his lesson this morning, busy doing what? Basically, like the ant, the ants are busy. Uh, and there's a lot of lessons to be learned, but what are we busy doing? Now, you've got to make a living. Trust me, we've all been there. You have to. You've got families to raise. You've got obligations. God didn't say not to do that. 
but we're busy a lot of times watching a lot of TV and who knows how many hours per day people spend on Facebook. So don't say you don't have time. You got time. You got time. God said, be, be, be busy doing what you're supposed to be doing. What you're supposed to be doing. Got a phone call the other day, not to embarrass anybody, but it was um, somebody that sounded kind of rhymes with the name Donna Halley. <laughs> and she and Paul were studying the Bible together in the afternoon. And, and she said, we study the Bible together just about every day, off and on, several times a day. That's what you're busy doing. I, sorry, Donna, I didn't mean to. But you study. Paul is a studying machine. He studies the Bible all the time. And that's, we know we need to be doing more studying, doing what we need to be doing. Now, that's not in these notes anywhere, so don't be, um, don't hold that against me. Verses 3, I'm sorry, any other, is there any comments or questions on that? That was a good comment, Lisa. Um, verse, um, verse 2 says, we, we read it, but be watchful and to strengthen, strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Of course, the word perfect there uh, oftentimes means complete or completed. They started out. They just didn't finish. So what message is that for you and me? you you got to finish. It, and as Ryan mentioned, it was a long-distance race. It's not a sprint. It's not a 100-yard dash, 100-meter dash. It, 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 it's a long-distance race, and you have to hang in there. There's no quitting. There's no stopping. I'm tired. Um, it's so sad when you see people of any age, but it's very sad when you see people that are older that give up toward the end, and I've seen that way too many times. They gave up. Ryan? Good, good point. And when, you, when we talk about even these verses here, especially when we get into the, to the Lamb's book of life, with their names being written in the book of life, and in him removing the names from the book of blotting out your name from the book of life, do you see anything even remotely kin to once saved, always saved? You've got to really struggle and try to distort the doctrine, come up with a doctrine. Once you started, you, you're always saved no matter what you do. That's as foreign to the Bible as you could ever see. It's not there. It's not there. And there are major religions that teach that, not, not fussing at them. That's just the Bible doesn't indicate that. That your name, if your name can be blotted out of the book, what does that imply? Your name was written in it at one time. Yeah, it was there. Uh, now, can it be put back? Yes. yes, he says, he gives you the prescription there. Repent and do your first works. Complete what you started. Does it appear, now there's only six verses, I get that. Sardis is not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible, as far as I know, at least uh, uh, in, the, in the churches in the New Testament other than here. So all we know about Sardis is right here, and then whatever history we can find. Um, 
they were not completing what, what they started. They, 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 um, they, got com they, they, they got complacent. We saw the compromising church, the one before in Thyatira, and they were compromised. You have this, this woman Jezebel in your midst, and she's leading some of you all astray. Do you see that here? Do you see any persecution here? Not where they, they could have been, but it's not revealed here. They don't appear to be under duress. They don't appear to be persecuted. They got comfortable. They got comfortable coming in, so to speak, sitting on the pew, going home, and I'll see you next Sunday. The Bible never teaches that kind of religion, and you're only deluding yourself if you think, if you think that's going to get the job done. It's not. Uh, Gary. One thing I read here from my own personal application is I don't know how many times I've prayed for the Lord to be patient with me. Mm -hmm. And you see here that, yes, he is patient, but his patience can run out. It, it, it can. And I think we did in most of And only he knows that because he says, I'll come and remove the candlestick or my approval on the church. There are churches that could be probably in existence that the candlestick's already gone. They just don't know it yet. But he says, I will remove my approval eventually. But he's obviously one of the, the top qualities of God is his patience and perseverance of putting up with me, number one. But sure, but eventually it does run out. It does run out. We saw that in, uh, um, with Lot, with Sodom and Gomorrah, and all the things that went on there eventually God will pull the plug on it. Yeah, good point. Uh, yeah. uh, yes, ma'am. I'm sorry, I missed. I didn't see your hand. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, I've never heard of such thing. <laughs> A pleasure-loving society. We can sure see our modern society in all, in all these churches, can't we? Yeah, pleasure loving. I've not read that, but I have no doubt that's true. I have no doubt that that's true. And he says, I'm going to come upon you like a thief in the night if you're not careful. And I don't think he's talking about the, the final judgment here. Now, are these principles very similar to what's going to happen in the final judgment? Oh, yes. I don't believe that's what he's saying here. Um, go, go ahead, Don. I'm sorry. All of that is, is applicable to this city going back to 549 B.C. Cyrus the Great, before he issued the decree to release the Jews from Babylon, conquered this city. Correct. They slipped in by stealth. They weren't paying attention. Right. And that's been their history. And so this statement, be watchful. Y'all wake up and pay attention to what's important and take care of it. No, that's absolutely true. Uh, really good point. Um, they they were asleep, and you can be you can be surrounded by sheer walls on four sides if you want to. Remember when God says you can build your you can build your house up in the cliffs if you want to, where the eagles fly, and you say. Uh, we can't be harmed here. 
And God said, I can bring you down. I can bring you down. Well, we got nuclear weapons. God, if, if he got to chuckle a little bit, go, I, I, I can bring you down. And probably in the process of that going on right now. Uh, James. Sure. We call that providence, even though he revealed some of that, didn't he? He doesn't always reveal his plan through his providential nature. But, uh, yeah, he said, I set up kings, I take down kings. I set up countries, I take you down as easy as I set you up. He can do it. Has done it, will do it. Good point, good point, James. In verse, let me see if there's any other hands. I don't want to miss you. Uh, yes, sir, Sean. No, 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 you go right ahead, brother. I just think there's a good lesson here, going back to verse 3. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a good lesson about careful study of context because this same language is found in Paul's letters. It's found in Peter's letters, coming out of the priest. Mm-hmm. It's talking about in those contexts the final coming. That's right. This is not talking about the final No, he's not. This is talking about the personal coming of Jesus in judgment mm-hmm. on this church, and they don't straighten up. That's right. The same that's right. No, thanks. Thank you for that. No, it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. But he says, and, and I, this is the encouraging part, you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not, who will walk with me in white. A few names. A few names. You've not defiled, how do you say, you've not defiled your garments. You're worthy and you'll walk with me in white. What's the picture there? Um, what does that say about um, judgment? This judgment or the final, and or the final judgment? I thought a bus was going to pull up out front on the judgment day and we all go get on it. No, we're not. It's individual. It's individual. So there's a few of you there, there's very, you know, we use the word few, that's what it means, a few. There's a few of you that haven't defiled your garments, and, and you're going to be worthy to walk, uh, walk with me. Um, no, it's not a church thing. It's an individual thing. Sure is. He says, I'll, I'll, I have my approval or not approval on the church, uh, corporate, but as individuals, we're going to be standing single file. We're going to be standing single file. No, you can't. Well, what about if your grandfather, your great-grandfather, and your great-great-grandfather, all of mine were? Is that going to help me any? Members, of, no. It's not. It's going to be on you. It's going to be on me. And he says, you'll, you'll walk with me for you're worthy. And, of course, white means, again, purity, um, wholeness, uh, that kind of thing. So does that encourage you or discourage you, the few names? Be interesting to hear what you think about that. Yeah, is that discouraging somewhat about the church in general? Yes, but is it encouraging? Can you, as an individual, 
be in a church like this. How long? I don't know about that. How long are you allowed to stay? Before he says, you stayed long enough, it's time to look out for you and yours. He could choose to stay if he wants to. That's right. Reflect, repent, and your name's back in the, back, back in the book of life. It's, it's that simple. I didn't say easy, I said simple. Uh, the process. Uh, good point. He who overcomes, verse 5, shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father, before his angels. Jesus will confess the confessors, and he will deny the deniers on that last day. If you confess me before men, I'll, I won't be ashamed of you. I'll confess you before my Father. This is my friend Lance. He's okay. Come on in. You don't want to be on the other side where the goats are. You denied me. You didn't respect this. You want to do it your way. Matthew 7. And he says, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. Matthew 7. And these were religious people. Were they, were they not? He said, remember, he said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. I thought I did all these things. And he said, well, you did, but you didn't do it according to the authority. You did it your way. Depart from me. I never knew you. That's a little bit, uh, a little bit scary. It's the only way. Don, do you, you have your hand up? No, okay. Okay. I think you just have to make that a lot of it scary. Yes. It's also very comforting, is it not? Uh, as Gary said, it depends on what, what side you're on. Um, look in the book of Malachi. We've got a couple of minutes. Uh, Malachi 3, of course, that's the last book in the Old Testament. We're going to go to Malachi 3. Malachi 3 and verse 16. Talk about this book of life thing. I want, I want to kind of touch on that a little bit and get your, get your thoughts on it. Malachi says, now this is after this last chapter, for 400 years, God's not speaking anymore. Um, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and notice this, I like this, and the Lord listened. The Lord listened and heard them. He's in our conversations. He hears what we're saying. He hears our, our conversation. He says, um, so a book of remembrance, now notice this. A book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. So Malachi called it a book of remembrance, book of life. Um, and the book of life is, is used several times. Um, somebody turned to Philippians 4 and verse 3. And then someone turned to Hebrews 12, 23. I'm, I'm just going to kind of skip to, the, uh, to each of those. Um, Daniel 12 and verse 1. Daniel 12 and verse 1. Hebrews 12, 23. Philippians 4 and verse 3. Uh, so we'll start with Philippians 4 and verse 3. Who's there? Feel free to start. Philippians 4 and verse 3. Everybody listen closely. Go ahead, Ryan. whose names are in the book of life. Hebrews 12, verse 23. Go ahead, uh, 
Doug. The General Assembly of the Church of the Firstborn who are registered in heaven. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the just men made perfect. Okay. Registered in heaven. Book of life. Remembered. The book of remembrance. That, that's all um, uh, metaphors for that kind of thing. Uh, and then the last one, Daniel 12 and verse 1. Does anybody have that one? Now at that time, Michael, the great prince, who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. Okay, so does God need a book to remember Who's in it? He does not. Um, if he knows the difference between our thoughts and our intents in Hebrews 4, uh, which we've, we've talked about almost every, every time, he doesn't need a book. Let's see. Who are you? Oh, see, that's Pam. Let's look here, Pam. Uh, okay. He doesn't need that. But do we understand that mental picture? We do. Now, does he have, he may have the book. A literal book? I don't know. I don't think that's what he's talking about at all. But book of remembrance and all these things. He knows, the Lord says, I know who are mine. He, the Lord, I know who, who are his. That's talking about God himself. He knows who's in his, uh, who's on his side. Uh, but it's just interesting that I love the language. Almost like a counting kind of a term. Accountants love their ledgers, debits and credits and trial balances and, and income and, uh, statements and spreadsheets and balance sheets and all that wonderful stuff that I learned 40-something years ago, and that's all I know, all I remember. But they love that. We all, that's the picture we got with, with that we can understand that we're, we, we own a... We're on a we're on a spreadsheet, if you will, for modern vernacular, and, and your name, our name, we want our names to be on there. God's got it right here, but that's another thing. Lance. Yeah, but we can sure understand it better, can't we? And that, he does that with so many, the, the, way he, uh, the way he relates to, he could put it in languages we could never understood, of course, but he puts it in things that they could understand and in ways that we can understand, and I really respect that. Um, the church at Sardis was in a bad state. I don't think anybody, in conclusion, um, they had lost their saltiness. What, what do you, what, what did, how did Jesus describe we're the, we're the light of the world, we're also the salt? He said, if you've lost your saltiness, what's it good for? 
walk on it for road, for road construction. So he said, if you've lost your saltiness, you better, you better refresh it and let's get salty again. Churches today, now let's be fair about it, they're involved in civil, secular, political, social, sports. They're involved in everything under the sun. And they forgot what their true purpose is. Is there anything wrong with any of those? Maybe the political, but other than that. <laughs> no, not really. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, but nothing wrong with any of those things. It's just not the church's work. It's not the church's work. How were they diverted? I don't know. It could have been some of these kinds of things. They got lackadaisical. They got comfortable and got involved in things that, that Jesus says, no, I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to accept Oh, all the way in the back. I see a hand, but I can't tell who it is. Okay. A great point. Great point. Um, now, do they appear at, at peace? Do they appear sort of at peace? I think so. There's two kinds of peace. Um, I've got it highlighted here in my notes. Uh, lethargy. Asleep. Um, you cease to care. You become comfortable. We talked about that. You become lazy. Can you be like that and be at peace as a church? You sure can. You sure can. Now, you're deluding yourself, but yes, there are churches like that. There are people like that. You're at peace. Well, not this kind of peace. Then there's peace where, um, uh, where you... You, there's achievement. You, you, you've given it your all. As, as Ryan mentioned, you, we're trying to work. We're, trying, we're con, trying to convert people, trying to teach people, trying to make sure that we're all on the same, uh, same sheet of music this year on, uh, with all the, the curveballs we've been, we've, been, we've been thrown through society and COVID and all these things. Um, Lord wants us to be at peace at peace doing what he wants us to do, not this comfortable peace asleep on the pew, so to speak. Does that make sense? Anybody disagree with that? I, I, that's the two kinds of peace I came up with. There may, maybe there's three. I don't know what it is, but I'm not. Uh, Ryan. So there's, there's his peace, and then there's peace of the world like laziness. That, that's how I view it. That, that's exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. God warned them in the Old Testament. You're saying peace, peace. There's no peace. What are you people saying peace, peace for, he said. I'm getting ready to bring the, bring the hammer down on you. And you're saying it's peace. He says, you say peace, peace. There is no peace in your condition, Lisa. 
A absolutely, the, the comment was, it was a good one. Um, we, there's not a lot of peace in the world. Um, was Lot at peace in Sodom? He lived in it. But how did the Bible describe Lot? It vexed his righteous soul every day. I doubt if we're to Sodom yet. We're probably on the road. We're getting close, maybe. But it should vex our righteous soul to have to have to watch what we have to watch and endure what we have to endure and people have to work in this woke society. It's shameful. But that's where we live. It should vex us. It should make us feel bad. Now, do we have to live in it? Oh, yes, Paul's real clear. You got to live in it. Now, you know, this, don't go to a cave. Elijah tried that. How'd that work for Elijah? Lord said, what are you doing here? Get out of the cave and let's get busy. We, we have to be busy, but all these things do wear us down. It wears us down. I see a lot of head shaking, but it's absolutely true. You're, it does wear you down, doesn't it? And you know what? It should. We don't need to be a part of this. Lance? It is. Uh, th that's a great point. We've had to endure a lot of things through Zoom and all that, and thank you for that tool. Uh, it helped us for a while. But um, Lord knew what he was doing. He said, on the first day of the week, I want you to come together, and I want you to encourage one another. Um, that, that's, what, that's where we need to be. We need to be with, be with each other and love each other. That's, that's what 1 Corinthians 13 says. That's, that's what the Lord said. Like disciples, know right. Do we always get it right? No. No, we don't. But that's, that's the model, and that's what we have to strive for. And then we repent and try to move on. That, 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 that's the message in all this. Repent. Remember your first works. This time, here's an idea, complete them. Okay, great. Appreciate all your good comments. And um, we will um, we'll start on Philadelphia on Wednesday night.